0: hi it's jasmine you know that girl who did you know what way before the internet ever existed join me and my special guest every week as we talk about anything and everything because nothing is too taboo so punch your ticket and get on board the crazy train with me jasmine st Clair. all aboard My god. I know this is like crazy got it got it we're here oh my god thank <laughs> you so much for coming on when I first met you Laura I thought you looked like the gorgeous virgin uh version of Bridget Nielsen and I know you get that a lot
1: <laughs> I get that all the time in fact a lot of the times people don't remember the name of Bridget Nielsen and so they just look at me and they go Rocky 4 I get that <laughs> all the time it's like when you're six feet tall and you're peroxide blonde, and you walk through the room like you know you're you're swinging muscles and potentially swinging dick. You get a lot of that attention, right? They go, "Wait a minute, is this is this Red Sonia? Is this Brigitte Nielsen? Am I about to get my back broken? You might."
0: <laughs> yeah, I noticed that you actually are super healthy, and I don't really. Most of my fans know who watch, who listen to this or watch it because now we just started adding video per their request. I don't really go out there looking too much about what you do, but I do know what you do in a way. And Mm -hmm. um, you're quite the person, you're uh, quite the guest to have on here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about like how you got your start being around the adult business?
1: certainly uh so uh i'm laura desiree and i'm one of the hosts of naked news which is Mm -hmm. a legacy web series that's been going for 20 plus years i've been with them for seven uh before naked news i was a burlesque dancer that performed a lot in burlesque clubs, but also in strip clubs. So I kind of got both of those experiences, traveled the world doing it. I mean, Europe was just such an amazing experience. They really celebrate sexuality. Um, You know, my years with Naked News, I've enjoyed production so much and I've enjoyed sex journalism that it's led me to a number of other projects and a number of other uh, efforts in trying to bring our sexual stories and really just an understanding of sexuality to the masses, because I truly believe it's the key to unlocking an understanding of ourselves. Our sexuality is so unique. And the more you can understand about your sexual self, the more you know about the entire package of yourself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I wish more guys would really think like that because it's so black and white with them. And I knew about your Naked News stuff. And that's kind of an interesting gig because I was thinking of that years ago, even Mm -hmm. though I'd been out of the adult business, How did you even get recruited for that? Did you audition for it? How did you find out?
1: Um, So at the time, they had just finished airing on Playboy TV, which was one of the big connections that existed for them for most of their legacy. But now they're entirely web-based, and they do a lot of additional segments and content that isn't just on a green screen reading the news so they have one segment in particular called naked news moves where the anchors that are on the show learn a new kind of dance style and i was i was cast to teach them burlesque which i think is necessary for anyone who is making a living trying to gracefully you know uh introduce their nakedness you should have an understanding of burlesque you absolutely should be comfortable in that realm and so i came in to teach that And we had so much fun on set, you know, we had so much fun on set, just taking it slow and teaching these anchors how to hit some really strong silhouettes and make architecture of their reveals of sharing their nudity. And we just hit it off. They said to me immediately, Laura, you have to come do a screen test. I did the screen test. Um, It was... amazing how fast it all happened like we became such famous friends instantly and i was 26 at the time and i will say this openly i still laugh at the fact that the producer of naked news said to me you're 26 why did you wait this long to join the show like we've got to get some use out of you and i still to this day think it's one of the ugliest things you could say to a person like look I I get it. It's it's a business and entertainment is constantly trying to remind, especially women, you've got to become a success when you're young. But I am grateful that I came at it at the year and the age that I did, because it's helped me put everything I've learned into practice and make some really fucking awesome content.
0: Yeah, it is sort of an insensitive thing to say, because I feel as though people forget Debbie Harry wasn't exactly a spring chicken. When she hit it big, and she's one of the most talented women out there, she's sexier than a lot of these 20-something-year-old pop stars. And it really doesn't make a difference what age you are. Like, I got into the adult film business when I was 26 years old. And it just, it really depends on the person. And you're better off waiting now. I'm better off waiting a few years before doing it when you're, like, young and confused. Or you have, like, a boyfriend pushing you.
1: I I loved that I had years to put miles on my mattresses, make some interesting mistakes, but also get used to the the open road of sexuality because I was going to be presenting it and making a living from it. And now I I also do content creation, which expects me to have entire agency over my body, my restrictions, my limits, and how I want to express myself. Had I gotten in a little too early, there might've been... Uh, a a desperation to please. I'm very competitive, especially with myself. So I don't know if I would have made the best decisions for myself, knowing I'm as competitive and I'm as uh, a perfectionist go-getter wanting to impress and dazzle everyone on earth. You know, I'm grateful for when I stepped into it.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Nobody ever realizes that you're your biggest competitor. Like you're always yeah. in competition with yourself every day. Now are you from New York or where are you from originally? Cause you have an I'm interesting look as well.
1: I, I I'm from Toronto originally, but I remember when I graduated high school and everybody else got right into university and like started getting into their next phase of education and institution. I said, fuck it. Uh, I remember getting an apartment at 18 in, uh, Brooklyn, right where Brooklyn and Queens meet in a place called Ridgewood. And I lived in New York from uh, 18 to about 24. And that was the best time of my life. I mean, you want to talk about gaining an independence, throw a young woman, throw a young person into New York City, knowing that you only have a certain amount of money, (laughs) knowing that every decision is up to you. Family is far away. Uh, You know, it's that... That whole beautiful romance of Bob Dylan saying, how does it feel to be uh, without a home, with no direction home, to be on your own with no direction home? That's a very powerful moment in a young person's life.
0: I wish more young people these days would actually explore that instead of staying in this confines of like a college campus or the confines of home because it's just so comfortable. It feels like they're so um, you know, scared these days. Do you feel, uh, do you think that there are a lot of younger girls that get into the adult business these days that make mistakes? And what do you think most of them are aside from the obvious, you know, signing away your rights?
1: Well, I, I think you signing away your rights, it, it really is, it can be making a deal with the devil of sorts. I think that a lot of young people have not had the time to observe, how sexuality and how sexual experiences impact their self-worth whether or not we want to admit it when we are in a sexual experience it's quite vulnerable and you leave with an impression of yourself how did the other person feel how did i behave in that situation why did i react that way and if you're doing it for the sake of your business and for your your earnings in life and you need it because it's a job it could skew your understanding of your sexuality equating to your self-worth i think it's a very important time in your life to be gentle with yourself and to be open to explorations that aren't based on this is a paycheck and you need to do it because it's a paycheck so i would think that uh, yeah a lot of unfortunate outcomes can happen from getting in too early. Uh, Of course, we are met with so many opportunities for very quick success. We are very quick to applaud people that want to do this brave thing known as having sex on camera. I mean, you're gonna get a fan base, you're gonna get audiences, but when does that start to split the authentic human being you are into the product that's getting applause and getting praise. And, and how do you continue to grow uh, parallel, you know, you need to, you need to continue to grow with your authentic self. You can't just divorce it and say, great, I'm a superstar. Let's forget about who I am genuinely authentically, vulnerably. And that's, that's the, the balancing act. So, I think it is, it can be a dangerous thing to get into early, but that's where support needs to be stronger and community needs to be stronger. And there is a responsibility for anyone in this business to kind of
0: look out for people getting into it and maybe trying to make some of those first decisions. That's interesting you say that because I remember being in that industry in the 90s, I like Lisa Ann is very level-headed. She's probably one of the more level-headed people I met in that business. Why is my cat coming up here? Um, hi. Hi, Enzo. No, he, he's trying to flirt with you. <laughs> so then, you know, she's, I remember she's trying to be friends. We were friendly, but I just stayed away from people in that business then because I didn't feel it was as supportive as it probably is today. Mm. And my advice to people was: when you're in your off time, don't dress like a porn star going to the, you know, Supermarkets don't live in the neighborhoods that everyone else lives in and don't go to their parties because they probably have really bad drugs. But mm-hmm. what would be your advice as far as forming a community to feel safe and divide your uh, your personalities?
1: <laughs> there, There's serious wisdom in keeping access to the world outside of the adult industry. Um, When you start to depend on a group of people that are just that group of people and you don't have connections outside of it, you sometimes build a strange reaction to the outside world. You either feel you're in competition with them or that you're being pushed away from them, you're made to feel different from them. And yes, stigma is a real fucking thing, it's out there. And society does have a challenging relationship with with the adult world. But I think it's so important to keep connections alive with the outside world. I was just hosting a panel at XBiz Miami last week and we were talking about how to strengthen community. And there was a lovely individual in the audience who said, she said, I'm a legal professional and my piece of advice, and I'm actually carrying her piece of advice right now, was she said, get in touch with people that help you build an infrastructure uh, for, for survival and for ease in your life that aren't necessarily in the adult industry, whether that means finding an ally that exists in the legal world or in the medical world or in, in these industries that are outside of adult, there are allies within them. So like when you meet someone, introduce them to the rest of the community. Let people know that, hey, there's, you know, a mental health professional that does not shame you for what you do. This is the contact. We have to share those connections and introduce ourselves to each
0: other that's major i wish we had mental health um, specialists for adult film stars back when i was doing that unfortunately Mm -hmm. i lost a really good friend of mine who was doing that my friend amy but it's such a weird thing because then you grow into like having a lower esteem of like what you should expect in a relationship now do you have an issue dating do people have a certain stigma or like idea about you because of what you do Here's,
1: here's what I've done to make my dating life absolutely perfect in my own regard, and I always tell who I'm dating the obvious, you know I'm a flirt, you know that I make a living being this boisterous, loud and proud sexual human being because that's what I am but the connection I have with my partner is something completely private, and I love keeping it that way. So when I am in a relationship with somebody, that's between me and them. I think a lot of our world today and a lot of like younger people, they feel like, hey, we've got these social media accounts. We have to share everything. Every part of our life needs to be included in our online personas and in our content creation. And that shit's not true. It's just not, it's not how it needs to be. And when you are someone that lives in some kind of the public sphere, you know, I don't get noticed when I go out, sometimes people, oh, hey, Naked News. But for me, it's like I need to have a grounding person in my personal life that knows me as maybe a little messy, maybe a little emotional, maybe a little bit uh, not so composed from time to time. So for me, that's what's worked. Is like, I don't feel that oversharing is something I need to uh, deliver and pour into. I like having a private aspect of my life. And that's what dating has been.
0: It's interesting because everyone lives their lives on social media. And, yeah. oh, well, if it's not there, then it didn't happen. No, there right. is a small, se- like, there's this whole era, this whole section of your life that should not be up there. You know, I don't yeah. want to know about your GYN uh, appointment. <laughs> I don't want to know. About you, like YOLO, living my best life ever when you're probably broke as fuck. but right. Exactly. And people do this all the time. It's like smoke and mirrors. And I know it was it was fun, like being a part of the industry before that whole internet like being created. Then, and I'm not sure how old you are. I don't ask people that. But how do you think it's um, it's changed? Besides everything being free, like do you think it's really tough to make money now? being that people do this shit on instagram for free some of those Here's, things post
1: i i agree completely and i am happy to disclose that i'm 33 so i remember time before the internet and before uh social media before cell phones were in everybody's hand before cameras were on cell phones so i remember watching and observing this boom of how websites started to take over how we depended on websites and now I see there are generations that are unable to live without access to this virtual space, and I think it's going to change us evolutionally. I think we're going to start to hunch over and our thumbs are going to grow really huge from scrolling. I do think that that is going to be an evolutionary change, but, um, but, but folks that overshare that live their life entirely online and that maybe give it away for free I mean is it something that we can necessarily stop I don't think so you look at the last two years that we've had with the pandemic and people depended on their virtual realities more than ever before and it became a place where we validate our self-worth and as much as we don't want to admit it as much as we want to say that's not true I don't care how many likes I get I don't care how many followers I have bitch you're still checking it constantly and it could be between you and yourself but we are conditioned We are being conditioned to further depend on that validation in our online lives. So yeah, I do see people offering as much of themselves as possible as like, here, is this going to get me more? Is this going to get me more down the line? What does that mean for our mental health? I couldn't tell you. I think it's going to be, it's going to be challenging because the virtual world is only growing
0: further. We're only building it up to be more and more of a reality to live within. Yeah, it's scary. And it's also the whole issue of um, keyboard warriors. You know, back in the day, you didn't flex. If you flexed your internet muscles and people found you, they would beat the living shit out of you. Nowadays, people just get away with it. And it seems as though anyone could just take a cell phone and tape anything or anyone they want in public. And there's no longer like that whole area of privacy. And speaking of privacy, what would you say is the craziest or no, the worst sexual experience you ever had on that mattress? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> the worst sexual experience of my entire life. I mean, are we going into the dark assault places? Because like every most sexual beings, we've run into experiences where, hey, boundaries were pushed. You know, there have been boundaries pushed early in my life. And i it's so funny. I rarely tell the story of being in a situation where I was, I must have been 21 and you get excited to tell somebody that you're into it really rough. You're into the rough stuff. And of course at 21, I was like, I wanna experience, the. I wanna be impressive to this person. And then I learned what their idea of rough stuff was. And that's where you have to go, holy shit, this is happening, of course, there have been you know there's memories of it, and it's painful to go back and say, "Remember when that boundary was pushed and when that option for it to stop was taken um, but it's it's important to know what you're communicating to people that's big, you know, especially when you're still kind of with the training wheels of sexuality, so being even twenty one and saying to someone as passionately, convincingly, and excitedly as I was saying, I like the rough stuff, well, we didn't discuss what the rough stuff was. And I learned about the full spectrum of rough stuff from an individual. And this was before the boom of consent talk. But I do think when certain kinds of play are happening, rough stuff, especially, you got to be specific. And I have never gone into a rough stuff situation. I still like rough stuff. I have never gone into a rough stuff situation since that without saying explicitly, this is what I mean. Now you tell me, what's your rough stuff? We need to know because I don't want to be taken by surprise. That's where it gets ugly.
0: I'm so sorry that happened to you. I feel so bad that I asked that, but I just have- Not at all. Don't and at all. They, I am they, entirely here. Are you Yeah, Cause the whole like safety word thing, I think my craziest roughest roughest experience was a blackout haunted house when it first opened up and they say you have a safe word, but while you're getting waterboarded or that's what it felt like, and you're saying the safe word, they still don't let you go,
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: but that's, it's, that's incredible. And yeah. did you watch porn growing up? And what was your first porn that you ever watched? If you ever did watch it. <laughs>
1: Oh, I remember. I remember vividly, okay? So this was back in the days growing up in Toronto where late at night you would get the infomercials of the women in the bathing suits and they were always playing Hootie and the Blowfish and it was those call lines. Um, I remember those, but if you waited a little bit longer and you clicked through some of the channels that were all squiggly lines, um, every once in a while you would get a little bit of the picture coming through. And I remember they were screening a film called memoirs of a madam. And I recall, I must have been like eight. I remember glass toys being used. I had never seen a glass toy in my life. And I was so blown away by it. It was two women in French made outfits and glass toys. I'd never seen anything as beautiful, as sparkling, as luxurious, as sexy as that icicle glass dildo. I mean, I literally, I, I, I have one in my drawer because they are so sexy. And this takes me back to being so captivated by that porn. That was my first porn that I ever saw. And it was amazing. That's incredible. Can I see that glass toy? Like,
0: just <laughs> <laughs> Look at this thing. Isn't it gorgeous? It's beautiful. I just, I remember when those first came out and yeah. people would have them like, what if that breaks? Like what if there's some person just like using that in you and they just get really mad. And it, I just had these really weird, th- I've never used one, by the way, just for the record. I never really well used a lot of toys because I just, I don't know. I, I guess like, I've had enough sex in like this lifetime and the next lifetime for like both you and me. Um, So maybe that's not why. (laughs) Well said one of these days it will happen. Um, Yeah. Did you work at a strip club in Toronto? Because it's so different up there than the States.
1: It's it's so different. I remember there was, I did a couple of the airport clubs that were actually in a, a suburb outside of Toronto called Mississauga. In Toronto, you need a, a stripper's license, you need a dance license. And it's like, I think now it's around maybe five to $700 annually. And I didn't have one of those, but I got booked at a number of these strip clubs out near the airport. And they kept saying to me, we want you for a burlesque act. Come on out here and do a burlesque show. Well, I got in there and I'm like, you got the poles on the stage. You've got the disco lights going. Girls are giving lap dances behind a sheer curtain. I'm like, this is a strip club. You guys have me at a strip club. So what did I do? I seized the moment and I said, oh no, no, forget about the pasties, the tassels and the G string. Let's do this. And I had a couple of amazing evenings really just bearing it, sharing it and working with a a community of women that were very different from the burlesque world, very different in burlesque. I mean, it's it's showbiz and we're very five, six, seven, eight about it. You know, like like let's get out there and give them a razzle dazzle of a show. And a lot of the times there is that separation between the performer and the audience. But in the strip club, it's it's rather immersive. It can be very much an opportunity to connect and and to be physical with each other, or at least to be up close with each other. Very different than the burlesque stage, which is usually at a bit of a distance. Um, I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. Everyone else was picking, you know, the latest hip-hop tracks, and I'm such a huge rock fan. I'm like... Give me the Rolling Stones Slave. That's like a seven minute track on Tattoo You and it is so hot. And I I like to give a rock and roll fantasy if I'm out there under those lights. Let me slither around. I will whip the wig I have on my head and I will
0: just, I'll serve that shit. I love it. That's awesome. I featured once in Mississauga, Ontario. Um, I remember getting arrested. That's where I was. Yeah, I forgot the club, but the club owner came and bailed me out of jail like uh, later that night. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think they were like following me, but I did a few bad things that night. I was selling my porn tapes, which I thought I was a to sell. Then yeah. I went to a party with some guy in a motorcycle, then we went skinny dipping. So I don't know what it is exactly that got me busted. It was probably a combination of the two things. <laughs> right. I'm allowed back in Canada, by the way. But that's interesting because I do have a friend that's a burlesque dancer and she's been in like movies doing that, my friend April. And it seems as though I don't know why guys can't enjoy like the female version of Chippendales because I feel that's what it would be. Even, even if you strip down naked, what do you think it is with men that they wouldn't enjoy something like that? Because if you and I went to Chippendales, they'll be doing right. that type of burlesque show.
1: Well, listen, dancing. this is this is all about where the culture is today of course there is a large group of of male audience members but in burlesque there's also a huge group of female audience members and you look at porn being publicly accessible and available 24 7. so i i hate to actually put this to words but people it's fact um why why the burlesque when you can just sit at home and google the the, the full fledged, you know, carnal flesh show that you're looking for. I think that's what keeps it a challenging art form. Burlesque is so beautiful and so powerful, and I I want more people to embrace it and experience it because it really does activate so much of your inner fantasy and stimulate you in ways that porn or or observing sex, ways that it just can't do. There's narratives that live in burlesque that are fantastical and just explosive. I I love it, but we live in a culture where porn is
0: just a click away, so. I know, it's a shame because burlesque shows are so much more beautiful. You have all the beautiful outfits on, everything's in sync. It's like going to a French can-can show or something. Does that affect
1: Right. Right. Do you, right. You ever,
0: you, you've never done porn, have you? I mean, would you do it? Hardcore porn.
1: Uh, I've never done hardcore porn and I've been offered so many times. I have been offered every time I'm at one of the Xbiz biz or avian events, it's always come up. Someone finds me. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Whether it's a performer or whether it's a producer, that's something that right now, I'm not drooling to get into. Uh, I love the association that I have with it right now. And I'm a big porn consumer. So I it's not, it's not like I'm against it in any way. I fucking love it. Um, But right now, I'll be honest, I, I just don't, I don't know if it's something I'm desperate to get into. I'm not, I don't know if it would be as great as everyone thinks it might be I'm like guys it might just be mediocre
0: (laughs) no 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 no. I mean you see some of these male performers I don't think I would want to be doing porn today I just they don't seem like the nice big rough guys that'll like slam me against the wall and fuck my brains out so you know yes I do like it rough and to define rough if you're that big doing that to me you have to look like a scandic viking or you do not get to touch me um yeah but not too hairy but I get what you're saying. I could, I don't think I I'd love be- hair. I love body <laughs> hair. You know that? Like that's like Is been the hair? last, like, Oh
1: my God, all body hair. The last three, four five years, I've just become obsessed. Like the idea of running my fingers through a thickly wooded forest of a chest and just pulling on it. Like someone, if you're out there, you bears get in touch with me because I honestly, I want to tug on every piece of your fur.
0: Like just go to Glendale. It's a lot of Armenian guys up there. They wear like the <laughs> big shirts. And the hair on there, it looks like a freaking Chinese roadmap. And somewhere in there <laughs> is like a gold chain. So it's that's like hot. You know, meets, yeah, some kind of whatever. Uh,
1: I love it. I love it. Do? Really, I don't know. But it's like, okay, I like a little hairy. <laughs> yeah, Bert. But for me, it's like Bert Reynolds hairy. That's hot. Like, that's sexy to me. I, I just, a hairy chest is really sexy. I, I don't know why. It's a newer thing to me.
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean, we all go through these phases, you know, but one thing I forever will never want is a man snoring in a bed. Have you ever dealt with a snorer before? And like, do you think it's grounds to break up with someone because they snore?
1: 5,000%. I, it's one of my great not even a pet peeve, I'm venomous about this. There was a meme going around that I saw that said something like snoring is such a, a boisterous and cocky celebration of your sleep that the other person has to witness. And it's like, it's so true. I especially hate, cause I'm not a big drinker. So I especially hate the drunken partner snoring when someone is so enjoying of their sleep and it is rumbling and vibrating the fucking bed, I can't stand it. I would love to you know, push them around all night and like fuck with them. Usually I'll fuck with you a little bit. If you're a snorer, I'll bat your face around, I'll plug your nose, I'll do some really fucked up things to you to let you know that you're being irritating, but end of the day, after about 15 minutes of fucking with you, I just leave, I can't do it. Can't do it.
0: That's awesome, so I don't feel so shallow.
1: No, I, no, I it's put a it's pillow horrible. on
0: someone's face. And I got in trouble for that. He actually called the police. I'm like, I'm not trying to murder you. I just need you to shut the fuck up or like go on your yeah. goddamn belly. Like just do yeah. something. Yeah. So Thank guys, you. Thing. it's not really a thing, guys. We really do not like it when you snore. We go through that's right. a lot to take care of ourselves for you. So if someone is asking you, such as your partner or whatever is in your bed that night to turn the fuck around or just get yeah. the surgery, then just do it. Because yeah, chances are, you'll end up jacking off for the rest of your life. That's right. And I was, I remember dating a guy who
1: was snoring so bad. And I said, you have to do something about this. Like we were on a vacation and I had never been on vacation. It was like a new thing. And the snoring was unreal. And like days I didn't have a good sleep. So he's like, don't worry. I fixed it. He went to the pharmacy and got like one of those nasal strips and tried it no difference there was no difference and the next morning he's like didn't you have a great sleep and i said no and he said i bought the thing didn't it work and i said i'm here to tell you that thing was trash it did not make a difference i was still sleeping next to a harley davidson all night which is not my idea of let's get some good sleep awful
0: i just have awful. to touch on that i just had to what are your thoughts on only fans these days like people or their civilians quitting their jobs and giving girls that have been in the business a lot longer competition. Yeah. I hear a lot about this. I hear a lot about
1: this. We've opened up, we've opened up the playing field, haven't we? Cause now anyone can be a content creator and anyone can sell their smut. I really hope that the, this revolution of OnlyFans. I really hope that give it enough time. It's, starts to end the stigma of this work is dirty because one thing is for certain listeners viewers get this your dental hygienist your Starbucks barista your bus driver people are selling their smut so right when you think that this is an underworld reserved for the filthiest people on earth that is horse and you've got all kinds of everyday folks stepping into this now porn folks who are also managing their content platforms, I would love to say, hey, y'all are going into this with an incredible amount of privilege. You've got your audience that has been with you, that now has opportunity to to give you even more money, to give you money directly. Um, I, I hope that You can you can see that as the grand opportunity there, because, yes, there are a lot of people stepping in. Are they tourists to the business? Who knows? Should we really should we really necessarily worry that it's going to cancel our opportunities for success? I'm trying to tell myself there's enough money for everyone. I'm trying. I really am. Also, hard work is what's going to set you up for success. So these tourists that might come in, look, if they're hard work hustlers, then maybe they deserve to be there. If they stick with it and they're putting in the hours and they're building their fan bases and they're finding success, guess what? Maybe they're meant to be here. You know, that's that's what it comes down to for me and I hope that it does change the way society sees our kind of work. I don't know i think it's a bit of a long game because this is still the pandemic pushed so many people into content creation i feel like it's still something that we're trying to find the foundation of and get comfortable with but uh who knows i i, I think there's enough money for everyone
0: <laughs> I yeah i remember so. i was speaking to is a curvy mary she used to be a realtor And during the pandemic, she quit doing real estate. She's on OnlyFans. And the only way she told me she'd go back to doing real estate is if it was like real estate porn. And I guess there are things like that out there. I can't, I I just can't do it. I don't have the patience like you girls do to do all the content creation, but I do love meeting my fans, you know, when I can and, you know, where I can sometimes, whether it's at a signing or like a show or something like that. Yeah.
1: It's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's, I mean, obviously anyone who has stepped foot into the adult industry knows that being a part of this industry is a lot. I mean that spiritually, I mean it professionally, I mean it emotionally all it's a lot. Now, when you look at content creation, holy shit, I'm suddenly building out my week saying, when am I wearing makeup? When am I going to be at home to set up lights? When am I going to answer these emails in my inbox? There's custom orders in there. When am I going to get to them? Like, It's a whole professional operation. So all these people coming into it, not everyone's going to make it. Not everyone's going to have success. And guess what? Those subscribers aren't going to stick around. If you aren't catering, if you aren't creating and feeding the fishes on a regular basis, they fuck off to other waters. They really do.
0: Yeah, that's true. I think when the webcams first started coming up years ago, I tried it once and only once. OK, and this is what happened. (laughs) Tell me, I start, I told the guy to go fuck himself. He was asking me something. And like, I guess it's normal for them to tell you what to do. I said, I don't have time for this shit. So I just like zipped off and I left the per- the place where I was doing it to go and get a steak dinner at the local strip club. <laughs> now the guy operating the whole thing, he's like, did she just leave? I'm like, yep, I left. So I just couldn't do it. So I, you know, kudos to all the girls out there that actually do have the time and the patience to do this. And it's nothing against the fans. I just think it was a new era and they can get carried yeah. away and ask you to do this with your toes or that and all this other yeah. stuff. Yeah.
1: It's crazy. It's crazy. Camming in particular. Uh, it is, I do it twice a week on cam for once a week on my platform, tempted. And it is so wild, especially when you have a group of say, anywhere from more than five people. If you have more than five people watching you get ready for a series of different fantasies that are expected on you to fulfill. And that's, what's so funny is that I have a lot of people that will come into my room and be like, we know Laura as this very articulate, mean Dom. And we want her to tell us we're shit and that our dicks are small. You might as well spear it and roast it over us fucking fire. Like they want that. But then there's also the oh, I've had a hard day and I really I I just I need to be squeezed and loved and hugged and can you cuddle me in your tits. Like you got to go back and forth so many times. It's wild. We look at, you know, the the FBI as being master interrogators and it's like, no, no, no. Look at this industry and how many times we have to flip personas and try and dig in and have these very intricate understandings of our fan base like it's nuts
0: I'll take the first choice and I'll actually do that for free I will do that for free (laughs) I will tell you I hope your dick falls off and an alien comes after you I will tell you I want to slam you in your cock and like fry it over like a a fire yeah I don't know love it I love it anywho When I lived in Scandinavia, I was there for quite some time. They had a sex expo in Norway, and I know you spoke about Europe before, which is interesting because at the same time, when things are very, um, you know, taboo in Scandinavia, but some people say, oh, but they're really open about sex. Did you go to the expo? in Norway to the Sex Expo? To I did
1: not, I okay. Norway is actually, I have not been to Norway, I'm dying to go. I would love to go to Norway, but most of my work was through Germany, through France, through uh, Italy and all over the UK. So I that was my my home base is there. A little bit in Prague, a little bit in Budapest. So that's been my, my experience in Europe. That's
0: gotta be so much fun. I love Europe. Like that's my whole plan is just to move back there in another yeah. year. And that's yeah. all I want to do. But of yeah. course, I come back to the States. It's beautiful. It's so different. <laughs> and the guys, my God, the cops in Italy. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, where did you come from? Oh and my God. What? Their uniforms <laughs> are so tailored. Like, come like, on. I know. It's like, could I just like reach in there and just like <clears throat> grab you? Which I sometimes do. I went through this phase of just grabbing men's asses when it was a concerts. So this is like 10 years ago. I think yeah. now and again, I get a wild hair up my ass to like grab someone or I, I hit on guys every day though. Uh, whether it works or not, that's another story. Cause I have like the worst pickup lines ever. Um, <laughs> and last thing, what are your thoughts on this whole Roe versus Wade thing? I know it's a touchy subject, but everyone has different views and I don't, you know, to each his own. I'll be so real with you. I think it is
1: fucked up that this is coming up when our country is in the state that it is why the fuck has reproductive rights become uh, such an area of, of, of anger. Why are we making this a priority bill to change? Look at the state of this fucking country right now. It's like out of nowhere. Someone just said, oh, Oh, this this thing in the back of the fridge that was—we got to get rid of it. We've got to get rid of it. It was doing fine there. I, I I find it so terrifying that we could see this rewritten the way that it's it's appearing to be. We won't know until what is it—the end of June. But there's massive repercussions that are going to happen if we see this undone. If we see um even the states that are changing there are states that are will forever say abortion is legal i mean i'm in new york city but you know if we start to reduce how many states will receive uh uh, abortion procedures or abortion patients we're going to see a mad dash like never before people are going to be in danger and in panic to get this done safely and i find it so upsetting that we're at this point where the christian right has to stir this shit up look at how much our country is going through and what we've been through you think this is a priority this is agenda pushing this is bullying this is greedy and it's nasty and it's unnecessary and it's how many, how many ways can we say it that if we were looking to do this to men's bodies, it just wouldn't be at this point? It wouldn't be at this place. It wouldn't be. I think it's a great over. distraction. Yeah. It's a great Vas- distraction from other things. Visectomies are reversible. Why don't we give vasectomy to every Uh, a young man or young penis owner out there why don't we give them vasectomies and then when they're ready and they're responsible and they're in a good place we undo them and say great let's have kids but until then like what what is the point in policing our bodies it's always been on the female body it's always been us and that to me is just it's exhausting
0: it's really sad they bring it it's all brought up now because if something's not broken just leave it But I feel as though we have so many other things we have to focus on and fix. And that is just another great um, tactic to, you know, kind of put your attention here. So whatever fuckery is going on there can go on because you're focused here. It's a great divergence. But yes, I'm with you on that. In California, we're actually going to become a sanctuary state where they're passing a bill uh, so let's say you're in a state where up only up to like four months you can get an abortion if you want to go eight or nine months you can come here and the state mm-hmm. will pay for it and they'll pay for you to stay here and for the doctor so it's just a very uh wild time and and, and but at, but at the same time i don't want to see
1: these states where it is illegal look to chase down the people that seek it out in sanctuary states or the people that provide it in sanctuary states. That's where it gets ugly. Yeah. That's where it's like this is this is a serious handmaid's tale we're living in. Like that's fucking terrifying at that point.
0: Yeah, it is. And I just hope that things just go back to, uh, you know, some kind of normal, not a new normal, but just back to the way it was before, you know, and you put your little time, you put your time limit on it. Fine. Great. If you want to get rid of a baby at nine months or eight months, okay, have it and just put it up for adoption because there's so many people in this country that cannot have kids and they would adopt because that IVF treatment, let me tell you, like I've had friends that go through that you know how much money that costs for IVF and how it could like screw up your body and let alone like your mental health as well. It's really, it's a business, it's a business
1: and it's a big money-making business. And, and you know, the, the women, uh, we put our bodies up for so much to try and make that happen. I mean, the, the hormones, the, the medication, all of that, like it's, it's wild. I just think that it's so unfortunate that this is happening right now when we are surviving a pandemic. We're trying to get a baby food formula situation handled. We've got, you know, the the fucking
0: inflation, gas where it is. Like give me a break. Exactly. Thank God I have a motorcycle because it's like to fill it up or $15. It depends what kind of gas I put in it on what day and where I go with it. (laughs) Bitch, I got my Metro card.
1: You know how happy I am that I got my Metro card and I can ride the train all day long in this city. Thank
0: God. I love the Metro. I love the trains in New York. You meet so many interesting people. And like, I would never take the public transportation in California. In New York, if I see a hot guy on the train, I could actually brush up against him. I know this sounds very perverse and very like creeperish, and I'm not going to get in trouble because it's the freaking train and everyone bumps into <laughs> each other. Yeah. Okay. So I, I have to get off that because I'll probably get Me Tooed or something. Uh, <clears throat> I've already been Me Tooed this year. I don't need it again. Oh, Jasmine. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. It was, it was, thank you so much. And I wanted you to tell everyone where they could find you yes of course get
1: in touch with me online everyone my handle on instagram and twitter is laura x desiree so desiree is spelled d-e-s-i-r-e-e there's a link tree there you can
0: find everything you need i cannot wait to meet you (laughs) yes and i will see you soon in new york and uh thank you you so much for coming on all right let me learn how to stop this Sorry, <laughs> i